Hi, it's Dan. Before we start this week's episode, Mike and I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you who are downloading the show and listening to it. This started as a fun hobby for Mike and I to talk about movies, and now it's become uh, it took on a life of its own. So again, we urge you, if you can, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Please let us know on the Anchor site what you'd like us to review. Please let us know what you like about the show, what we could fix. Um, again, we, we are so, so grateful that so many of you are downloading this show and listening to it. Thanks. And here's this week's episode on The Last Waltz. Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome back to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, a podcast in which two friends and lifelong film fans sit and talk about movies uh, that they recommend to each other for the first time. So today we're going to be following up our show from last week about Stop Making Sense with 1978's The Last Waltz, a famous movie uh, directed by Martin Scorsese about the last concert of the band. Uh, another Mike pick, right? So we could start with your opening things, Mike, about watching it again for today's podcast and for our first conversation, what struck you? Sure. Um, this movie is deeply nostalgic for me. This is not like, um, you know, my awakening to uh, other films or, you know, learning to like the conversation when I was, you know, in my mid twenties. Um, you know, I've, I've been watching this movie pretty much my whole life. And, uh, so that I, I tell you that to say rewatching the last waltz, it works on me every time, um, in the same way. You know, I love uh, Up on Cripple Creek uh, the same yeah. way every time. Yeah. I love when the guest stars come out the same way every time. Um, you know, I the little anecdotes, you know, where the little snippets of interviews with the band, which we said are are absent, um, noticeably absent from Stop Making Sense. Sure. When, when we did Stop Making Sense, um, I love listening to the anecdotes the same way because I feel like those lines um, are delivered by people playing a, a great role. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like they're great lines the same way I watch a Godfather. Yeah, yeah, and they're and they're plus like they're very cool guys. Like, like you, you, you. It's fun to be a fly on the wall when they're sitting there talking to Martin Scorsese about you know where they got their their ideas from and how they started out. And and uh, I love the story about how um, we were in a place so small and there were so few people we couldn't even believe that there was enough people to have a fight. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, I mean, part part of it for me is um, continuing to rewatch it. Um, you know, to um, to quote Days and Confused, um, I keep getting older and everybody in the band stays the same age. <laughs> so I do, um, you know, I do weird uh, measure math to figure out how old Levon Helm is, you know, as I, as I slowly approach, um, as I slowly approach that age. Uh, but it's, it's the movie, you, you said the right word. I think the movie is just unbearably cool. The band yeah. is unbearably cool. Levon Helm um, belting out uh, and playing the drums is unbearably yeah. cool. He's great. Uh, and what a what a panel of guest stars. I mean, I, I guess for me, my overall impression now that I'm older, it's not just that I'm surprised that the movie works the same way every time. I can't believe how much the world changed in between the concert, The Last Waltz, and Stop Making Sense. So that yeah. concert was um, filmed, I believe, in 1976. And uh, the, the concert of Stop Making Sense was filmed in 1983. I don't know about, and, and not that far away from each other, both in California. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but those are two completely different universes for me. Totally. Um, the same way that two, any two filmic universes are not, you know, are not the same unless yes. they're, you know, a direct sequel to one another. I, I, I feel like Stop Making Sense takes place on the moon. <laughs> I was going to say Mars. Or I was going to say that it's like, the, it's like um, Stop Making Sense and The Last Waltz are like the Marvel and DC universes. Yeah, absolutely. And there shall never be a crossover. 
yeah, I, I don't even understand how only five or six years could have elapsed right. from from one, you know, to the other. Now, I will say, and stop making sense. We kind of rolled our eyes um, at some of the tropes of this uh, genre, uh, you know, like panning out to the audience, right. um, the patter in between the interviews with the audience, you know, and and of course, when done by um, the folks in the band, I t I take it back. It's yeah, you know, it's utterly it's utterly perfect. Totally, totally. I I, I would hold up a sign that said more patter if I had to watch this. It's fine. But you know what's great is that in this uh, the part of the reason the movie's so good is that all the patter is thematically relevant. It's not just them talking, like it's not just like Jimmy Page in a hotel room just you know talking about something. I don't know why I thought of him, but the idea is that like even in the opening patter, right when when they're playing pool. And, and Scorsese says, you know, all right, Rick, what's the game? And Rick Danko is like, cutthroat. And, and uh, Scorsese says, well, what's the object? And he says, the object is to keep your balls on the table and knock everybody else's off. <laughs> that's the music industry, right? I mean, that's, that's what this thing is about, to keep their balls on the table and knock everyone else's off. But, and, and, but to your point, I think, that, I think that there's a certain way in which, let's, let's pretend that Scorsese had done a project like this midway through the band's career like if this had been filmed in 1972 and right. they were planning another tour right after this, I think these conversations would have been very different. In fact, oh, sure. it, it, so, I mean, this may seem like an obvious point, but I think what's being tapped into is um, the elegiac nature of yeah. looking back on, on their career from yeah. the point of view of it having ended, I think is what brings the pathos forward. It's what turns them into characters, right? Levon yeah. Helm at the time he's doing the interview is no longer Levon Helm. He's, he's hung up, He's hung yeah. up his Nikes from being Levon Helm, and now the he can talk about Levon it. Right. He's the role of Levon Helm. He's playing the role of Levon. That's why also why the movie begins with the encore. Like the very first song you see in The Last Waltz is the actual last encore they did on that Thanksgiving concert. So it's kind of, it starts at the very, very end and then goes backwards. Right. And I, and I think that that casts a kind of a shadow over the stars that they had. You know, um, I... I I, I hesitate to say Dylan ever peaked uh, because I don't want the death threats that will inevitably don't say follow. It. Don't but, say uh, it. you know, I think that a concert in 1977 is, is in some ways post-peak Dylan. You know, um, I don't know if you like Caravan, but, you know, for me, that's post-peak Van Morrison. Um, I think, and I think that there's a lot of people who showed up um, a little bit after their moment, although there are some people who showed up right as their as their moment uh, was happening, I think that guest well, you, stars like Neil Young, for example. Um, yeah, I'll but you can't say just so you know, just for the record, I want this on, on. I want this on tape that that you cannot use the singular when you talk about Bob Dylan. His peak, Bob Dylan has many peaks, and uh, this 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 is you know uh, this may be coming down from one, but on the way to another. You know, okay. it, you said this is about guest stars. You know, it's funny watching it again. There's only two guest stars that struck me as duds. That are, that were automatic skips almost every time I, I watch it. Um, you don't watch Ronnie Hawkins? Nope, I watch Ronnie Hawkins. I mean, I watched him again for the podcast. But. You don't watch Dr. John? No, it's great. He's great. Yeah, okay. I, I was going to say, I love Dr. John. And I did wonder if Dr. John got his, his degree from the same place as Dr. Dre. I wasn't <laughs> sure about that. But no, keep going. Who, who's, who else? I just think that, I'll say it. The two duds are Neil Diamond and um, Joni Mitchell. I think... I just think Joni Mitchell is, I think that that, that song is, um, Coyote is just a- But what about I, her backup on Helpless? Eh, it's fine. I, you know what's funny? And I was trying to think about, and you know, I'm not trying to take any away from, from Neil Diamond or, or, or Joni Mitchell, but it struck me that their songs don't sound like band songs. All of the other guest stars sound like their songs they could have written with the band, but those two don't. Like, like I just think that, I, especially her song, it just sticks out like a sore thumb. 
Before we move on to uh, segment two and talk about our favorite moments or our, our songs that we like, um, who's your favorite guest star and your second favorite guest star? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, my favorite guest star is, is Bob Dylan, but my, but um, that's just like, a, that's like saying like, do you enjoy gravity? Um, sure. My favorite, so my favorite guest star watching it for today was Dr. John. Okay. I, my... I, that song could have gone on for 45 minutes and I would have been screaming for more. My uh, two are, um, I love uh, Dr. John. Um, but uh, I think that uh, Mavis Staples and uh, yeah. uh, just uh, steals the show every time. What if Bob Dylan's uh, old uh, Paramours? No. Yeah. With Mavis Staples? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man. Yeah. Well, see, that's why we have the podcast. New every day. That's why we have this podcast. All right. I'll Bye. see you in segment two. See ya. Welcome back. So, in the second segment, we like to talk about a key scene uh, or a key moment that defines the the themes of the film as a whole, Dan. But first, yeah, but first I would just yeah, want to yeah. clarify something. I looked up on the break, you know, you were surprised about the Mavis Staple things. Not only did, did Bob and uh, Mavis Staples have an, uh, a romance, but he proposed to her. He proposed what? to her? Yeah, he proposed to her. Yeah, he proposed to her. So I, I, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't making that up. I wasn't crazy. That actually did happen. So let's talk about our moments from segment two. What's yours? Uh, okay, my moment is my favorite song. So I talked about my favorite guest stars uh, because really Neil Young goes without saying. Um, I am have always been crazy about the song Helpless. Uh -huh. I think even the, the solo version live at Massey Hall is just haunting um, and beautiful, but that full band version is yeah. unbelievable. Um, and I think Neil, everybody's pleased to be there. You can tell mm -hmm. Dr. John is having a, a yep. wonderful time, but you can tell that Neil Young is, is friends with them. Um, in, in a way that the others are not. He's not just appearing in the film. He's not just appearing in the concert. He's hanging out with his friends. And I think that, you know, for Neil Young very much, um, you know, no matter, his star was always rising and certainly yeah. rising through 1977. And so there was nothing of the downslope. He's stopping by, but he's going to have a concert tomorrow night and the next night and the next night and the next night. And so he's not in that moment that he could have reflected um, on his own fame or his career. He doesn't know the trajectory yet the same way that yeah. the guys know theirs. And it, it's such a beautiful song. It's be I, don't, I don't think at that moment, Neil knows much about what's really going on. Um, no. But they've got it now, Robbie. I love what he says. <laughs> they've got it now, Robbie. That's great. Um, yeah, he, you know, what are you going to say? Neil Young's awesome and that, and that version's so excellent. My, my moment was um, watching when they, when they do It Makes No Difference. And my moment about that song, not only is it beautiful and it's perfect, but here, here's a thought I had, and it's not fully complete. Maybe you could fill us in. I was trying to think, how many bands can you think of where everybody can sing? Now, I don't think Garth Hudson sings that much. Can you think of, I only thought of one band where all the members can actually really sing well. One of them is like a half foot. Can you think of one? If you say the Eagles, I'm going to walk out. No, no, no. You can't okay. get everybody in the Eagles. I was going to say the Beatles. Like, yeah, you know, the Beatles, right? Um, you know, with Ringo as a, you know, a fun, a fun kind of voice and stuff like that. But I was thinking like, you know, it's very rare, like, that, like um, in the band, the, all the singers can really, really sing. Like one of them is not doing the pity vocals. Mm -hmm. You know, once in a while they let this one person sing. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm a huge, huge deadhead. And, you know, um, they would let Phil Lesh sing Box of Rain, you know, long after he could carry the tune anymore. And it was fun to hear him sing it and the band could still play it. But the whole time, you know, you're like, just let Bob Weir sing it. And I know that's heresy. I know it's heresy. But uh, it, it struck me that when you watch this, they're, they're all such good singers. Well, there's that. And, um, but I just want to say, you know what Levon Helm later said about Robbie Robertson's microphone, right? No. He said, he later said that it was unplugged the entire time and that uh, Robbie was playing into a, an unplugged mic. Now, I don't know if that's true. And uh, Levon Helm had a lot of problems uh, with yeah. the filming uh, and, yeah. the and the break of this. So I don't know if that's... Um, 
him uh, throwing some very uh, posthumous shade after the after the actual wow. band was long dead, uh, or that's a true story. But I'm just going to put that out there. Now, okay. I will say that Robbie Robertson wrote all the songs, so yeah. it it kind of seems interesting. Sing. Well, yeah, but I'm sing. saying it would it would it would feel weird for him to um, have written "It Makes No Difference" without knowing how to being able to sing it, like to sure. being able to bring it out into the world. Yeah, uh, or but Ophelia. Yeah, yeah, like you don't write yeah. Ophelia and never sing that to yourself and just hand it to somebody else. <laughs> All right, you have any other moments or anything else you, that struck you watching this again, besides how great it is when Eric Clapton's guitar strap breaks? It is. Uh, I mean, the, just there, there are so many moments. I love seeing uh, Van Morrison on film. I love yeah. seeing uh, every, every single time. Uh, he, it's one of those things where um, having heard him so often uh, as a kid and, yeah. and having um, these... Uh, I used to have uh, all his records on vinyl and I used to listen to them and sit and look at the album cover because you go, there's no, that does not yeah, come out of that. Totally. He does not look like his voice. No. And he, the, the brilliant thing about him is that I think that there's a lot of people that would lean against that. And he totally leaned into it. Yeah. He was like, balding, I'm going to have the craziest comb over ever. <laughs> Unbutton two buttons. How about three? <laughs> four, four buttons unbuttoned? No problem. Gain 20 pounds, I'm going to put the same shirt back on. <laughs> that tank top? It's, like, it's, it's brilliant. Levon he Helm, knows. Levon Helm looks like his voice. Levon Helm looks like his voice, but um, the, the dude aged faster than a soda pop. As, yeah. like, you, you believe that he came out of the womb also with two buttons unbuttoned, you know, and a, and a perfectly manicured beard. Um, right. But, you know, by the time he was 40 or 50, um, he, he looked like the guy who sings uh, The Night They, you know, he looks like Virgil Kane. Yeah, which is funny. I was watching that again today, and it's, it's, it's interesting how times, have, you know, times have, the times they are changing, to quote Bob Dylan. But it's funny, like, like who could get away with writing that song today? Nobody. I mean, w wouldn't be made. It's it not even sung. But when was the last time it was covered? Yeah, the Jerry Garcia band, I think, is the, is the last time it was covered. And uh, you're right, nobody's covering it now. But it's just a great imagination about what, what, what that moment was like in history. Joan Baez actually did a version of it. Uh, did she? Surprisingly, yeah. It's did not she? that bad. All right. All right, I'll see you in part three. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, welcome back. So in part three, we like to talk about the title or the last scenes or any final thoughts we, we had when we watched the film. Mike, what do you got? I just want to reiterate something that I said in section one, which is this strikes me as the best goodbye uh, to the Woodstock era um, that there could have been. I, I very much prefer watching um, this movie to the documentary of Woodstock. Oh, or, yeah, you know, by a mile. Any of the stuff that came out, which you know has all the terrible tropes that we talked about, although some great... Yeah. Um, some great performances. But what's what strikes me kind of in the comparison between the two is there's some performances when I watch Woodstock that I skip, you know, and there's some that I, you know, some of those songs that I listen to every time. But it's just kind of incomparable to me that all of those songs should be played and performed by the same group of guys. Yeah. 
you know, I, I, it seems trite at this point now that we've done, you know, two thirds of a podcast about it to say, wow, those guys are great. Yeah. But if you think about the 22 songs or whatever that, that actually yeah. um, comprise the album, uh, it's amazing to me that, that, that that's all the same group of guys, the same group of uh, creative minds that like the band, it yeah. strikes me as the, the only name that they possibly could have had. Yeah, how Although they tell a that? funny story about that. About yeah, how perfect is that? You know, my thing about the ending was um, that part of the end, I love when Robbie Robertson says, um, yeah, you could press your luck. He says, you know, the road, it's taking a lot of great ones. And he starts naming like Hank Williams, Buddy Holly. Who does he say? Um, uh, Janis Joplin, Otis Redding, Jimi Hendrix. He says, it's a goddamn impossible way of life, right? Um, what's fascinating about that statement is that you believe him, obviously, like, I don't know what it's like. I mean, I would believe him, right? But then when you watch them on stage, they're having such a good time. And, and they're all beaming and they're making these unbelievably great songs. And so as a viewer, you think like, well, why would you give that up? Like, why would you stop that? Like, and, but, but, but he tells you why. But, but he's telling the truth. And that's, I think, why I like this concert better than Woodstock, right? Because Woodstock is in, in some ways a celebration of that life. Yeah. And, even eight, and even eight years later, um, you know, you, you found that you, you got to quit because get, Jimi Hendrix wasn't dead when they first made the first documentary, uh, but sure. he was by the time that they made the last one. I mean, Danko died of heart failure um, from being overweight. Yeah, and uh, years of, um, you know, of years of abuse. Um, uh, Garth Hudson, didn't he, he no, killed Richard himself? Manuel, Richard Manuel. Oh, Richard Manuel, right, right, right. Garth, they, were having, they had a, re, like a band without Robbie Robertson. Right, right. And I think if, I know he killed himself when they were like on tour. They were, they yeah, were he, like, he played a show and then went and killed yeah. himself. And Garth, I think, cancer, something like that? Not sure, not sure. Right. But certainly, Garth, if yeah. you're still alive, I apologize. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, certainly, but yeah, but it, it, it will catch up with you. And you can see that from when he, when he said that, now we're in 2020 looking back and, yeah. you know, and you know, Robbie's still kicking, but um, not that high. Right, but, but, but I think there's a part of us, it's kind of like when you watch those documentaries or you read about people who um, you know, win the lottery and they, all of a sudden like, they, you know, they go crazy and stuff like that. Like, there's a part of you that, that may, maybe it's not, that thinks, well, you know, that wouldn't really happen to me. Or yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, maybe I'd buy better cars and I'd, and I'd have a bigger house and stuff, but I'd still be me. And I think Robbie Robertson's saying like, no, you wouldn't. You, and, and I love how Scorsese says, like, they're on year 16. And he says, so you can't even think about going to 20? And he's like, no way. Like, it's like a convict talking about his sentence. Yeah, or, I mean, there's, there's athletes that talk about that, too. You yeah. Know, you, you, know, you know when you start that you have maybe, if you made it to 16 good years, then you have uh, the best knees that genes can provide. Yeah. But, you know, the difference between 16 and 20 is way more than four. It's an eternity. Yeah, and it's funny that they never, it also occurred to me, you know, you think about how many times did the Who retire? You know, how many times did the Eagles retire and stuff like that? But this really is, like, the, this was it. This was the last waltz. I mean, uh, although uh, I hear Robbie is coming out with new music, uh, and I will buy it. I'll yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's come out with new music since then. And, of course, he's done music for a bunch of Scorsese pictures as well. Right. But, you know, he's still, because he says to him in the movie, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to keep making music somehow. And so he did that. So you kind of respect the guy for saying, you know what? We can't sustain this, this monster anymore. It, yeah. There's too many people involved that we just got to stop. This a living off the road is getting pretty old. It's getting pretty old. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. We'll see you next time.